so how, how do you want to kick this off? Do you want to just... Do you want to do your normal thing? Which I do want to do my normal thing. Mm. Welcome to episode 13 of Australian Design Radio. I'm your host, Flynn Tracy, and with me is Matt Leach. Hello, Matt. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Yes. We're sitting very close. We are sitting very <laughs> close. It's a little bit like in those... Um, I don't know, in photography, you always have to get people closer than they're actually comfortable. Oh, right, yeah, it feels it a bit better, like that. It looks better on, on the photo. This does not look good here. <laughs> <laughs> and who's who, who do we have with us? So we have Nathan Leong with us, uh, who a lot of people would know in the industry, definitely in the Sydney industry, and partly in the Melbourne industry, I would say as well, through the distillery. Um, distillery is a... Well, it's it's kind of like a getting back to old school kind of printing, um, printing presses, um, some really beautiful work they, they pump out there, but also running Rockstar Memoirs, which I didn't even know was yours. Mm. So how long has that been going for? Uh, this is the 10th year, actually. Wow. So it started in 2005, and I only realized it was 10, well, recently. Right. And <laughs> LinkedIn told you it was 10. Uh, no. Nah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, it's a great... It's a great type of studio. I think the two actually work very well together. They do very different things. Now, did you start that before you started distillery? I did, actually. Uh, I actually probably come more from the crea- uh, commerce side of creativity. I studied commerce at uni, mm-hmm. trained as an accountant, and information systems did honours there. But uh, I think everyone's got a creative side to them too. So mm-hmm. I guess being, I'm actually of Chinese descent, and in case you couldn't tell, but... Uh, being for the listeners at home but uh, we're all supposed to be doctors or lawyers right if not we're smart enough if we're not smart enough for accountants so that was the road I was going down but I think <laughs> the creativity got the better of me yeah. worked at Deloitte for a while and in high school wanted to put together a yearbook and I think actually in high school probably a lot of listeners or designers you know that's when you start to fiddle around with Photoshop mm-hmm. put different things together my fiddle was the yearbook through that I realised it's publishing it's Photoshop, it's graphic design, it's all those basics of print design and took that through uni as a part-time side business. Yeah. Uh, went Worked at Deloitte for a while. Um, big biz companies are great if you're into big companies, but if you want to kind of live it up and just go for it, you do your own thing. So, mm-hmm. and before I go any further, congrats guys on such a good season one of the show. Oh, oh, thanks, man. It's that initiative, I think, that take great things happen with initiative. So mm. I think um, with a mate, we started together. He's my best mate. Yep. He's my best mate. And we did, we learned to be a design studio from scratch, yeah. looking at the internet. Australian in front um, was mm. a bit bigger back in the day. Mm. And Making lots of mistakes and that kind of... Do, is there a mistake that you remember that you went, oh, I learned a lot from that one? Oh, there's there's too many, but probably with print, there's a there's there are ten thousand dollar literal ten thousand dollar mistakes where yep. you shouldn't have sent that file to print. Yep. it's v two pdf, not v one pdf. <laughs> right, and having to follow through with your customer and give them what they signed off on. Yeah. So. I think you guys might have stories like that too. I have definitely got stories. I like get that. a couple, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not as many as you though. After ten years of being in business, yeah, it's been a great uh, ride. I think. Um, I've employed lots of people. I think I looked at the list. There's been over 100 designers. And we actually had a catch-up last night with some of them and being able to uh, see that they're in big studios now, like analog folk, uh, soap and so forth. And that makes you 
Uh, Matt, you'd understand. You, you know, you've been teaching for a while. Definitely. You know, you feel that sense of pride, and that probably it, means more than it, anything else. It is a weird thing because it's. I was trying to explain it to my daughter of six years old the other day because I think we walked past someone on the street and they said, "Hey," and she was like, "How do you know them?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a student." And it, I don't know whether it is pride, but it's it's pride for them. It's it's that kind of like I'm so happy to see how well they're doing and that kind of stuff. And it's lovely walking into a studio and then seeing someone mm. that you've you've talk to when they're very junior and now they're kind of at a senior level yeah um yeah no this it's definitely it's, it's amazing experience and i think a lot of uh people have been in the industry and had juniors and you know they've moved on and flynn you'd know this too like just to see them mature hmm. it's a very human thing to want to help other people and hmm. you can't buy that no award will win you that no no amount of money will win you that it's when you're on your sorry it's a very weird way to think of it but when you're in a deathbed and you think about all the things you've done or when that train's coming towards you yeah. you can't get off the tracks yeah hopefully that doesn't happen but you think about the good things you've done and helping people mm. you can't really top that i think well there was that amazing um research document that was done which um they interviewed all these people who were literally on their deathbed and um no one mentioned that they wish they'd worked more so <laughs> yeah always about kind of wish I'd spend more time with my family or friends and that kind of stuff so mm. yeah so Rockstar Memoirs and then Distillery after that yeah so in 2010 or 2011 I uh, just like everyone else used the internet back then mm. and uh, Letterpress was getting more popular and I'd always known about it I knew that Kofa had run a course but I think there was a period where for a year or two they just weren't running that course and I just got so frustrated that I looked on an auction site and saw a press going I bought it uh, and it's a couple of thousand dollars uh, Was that a Heidelberg whole Yes it was a Heidelberg uh, Platinum Uh the original uh, letterpress machine that has powered printing for a long time Um, turned up in Chippendale to pick it up bunch of old guys standing around wondering how I'd get it out of there. You don't know these <laughs> you things. You thought you were going to pick it up? <laughs> well, probably, you know. I think it was big, but I didn't know it was that big. Because they weigh like a ton or something. A ton and a half, pretty, pretty wow. much a ton and a half. really? So you can't just put it on a ute. Um, <laughs> it will hurt if it falls off the ute. It'll destroy your car. So right. it costs a lot more to get a crane to actually move it. Really? Um, mm. And got so, it moved to my mum's garage actually and, and these are these old hey, guys hey mum by the way I'm not an accountant <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah, this is what I do now these old guys knew what it was and or were they kind of the same as you kind of unaware of its value and it they knew what it was right. there's they're kind of old school print people right. uh, yeah. have, where offset and digital is the thing yeah they probably used it 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago so they knew what it was but it was really only used for die cutting but mm-hmm. you can print on them you can file on them you can do all sorts of great things wow. emboss on them too and uh put it to my mom's garage uh my mom of course still disappointed that i'm not a doctor or a lawyer uh said i could have it in there for two weeks right two months later she was still there she started not talking to me because she couldn't get a car in the carport <laughs> and then once you've got a press that you need to get out of your mom's garage you've got a, it the game's real then you've got to get a shop yeah. and I've always had this idea to have a studio which is specialising in craft uh, which is experience based which can engage people and what better way to do it than to have it on the street in the shop to tell okay. the story and this yeah. is I mean the thing I always know because you've you've had three or four shops now haven't you 
Uh, just two. Just two. Okay, yeah. but the, each each of them have had big uh, windows at the front, haven't they? Yes. Where it's almost like people walking past are kind of like exposed completely to this. Yeah, I'm sure you guys would know, and maybe listeners too. The best thing sometimes I think happiness is a function of your expectations mm-hmm. so if you're walking down the street and you're not expecting to see anything and you see something great you're happy and those are the ones which you tend to remember mm. and I think if you can show someone about design and show someone about the heritage of printing and culture and and tie that story and when they weren't expecting that that's you're creating something pretty special mm. so. was that always the plan to show to have the foot traffic and the like clear glass yeah, it was. Yeah. So, as Matt mentioned, um, the two shops I've had or have always had large glass. I've got another studio. We've expanded to Jakarta, and we mm-hmm. want to go worldwide more too. And I think telling that story, I think we're all designers, and I think your friends and our friends are probably design related. But we forget that not everyone is a designer. Not everyone knows, and they're not up to in their minds mm-hmm. what we know about design. And there's a lot of joy in telling that story mm-hmm. and seeing the fascination in their eyes. Mm. kind of like how people get crazy about the iPhone and the and the watch I think mm. um, that joy if you can talk about that with design and that's why we're in this industry I think that's a very special it's almost related to the helping people yeah mm. but yeah I think so is it, I just caught something you said before expanding to Jakarta yes so tell us more about that I'm assuming that's Rockstar Memoirs not Distillery it's the distillery it is yeah, oh, yeah so, right. so we have the distillery Asia now and cool. um I think, uh, well, as I said, I'm of Chinese descent, although yeah. I was born here, so raised on the northern beaches, only non-white person in my grade, pretty much what's going on with Asia. I can't even speak Chinese very well, but um, I think Asia is an intriguing place. And yes, I have relatives, so I tend to, I know a bit more about that culture, I think, than the ordinary non-Asian person. But I think... Australia has so much opportunity in um, on our doorstep. I think Tyler Brule, who's in town, mentioned that I didn't go to his talk, but I think mentioned that we're foolish not to pay more attention to Southeast Asia and Asia um, yep. because I think there's at least 620 million people in Southeast Asia who are of middle class plus, mm. who are awakening to the world of culture and design. Um, there's a lot of heritage, there's a lot of thinking there's a lot of looking to the west for Mm. direction because they know they're about when we travel to southeast asia you know you laugh at the the funny design of the rip-offs and that's a reflection of where they're at culturally with design too and that's actually that equals opportunity for us as australians to engage that to show the way forward to show them how we are leaders in design and there's a big pull there i think we're getting better Mm. and i think we should continue to do that I think it's a huge opportunity. It is such an interesting thing because it's always been that kind of like we want to show America what we can do. We want to show England what we can do. And it's that kind of, yeah, I mean, we're we're literally right there. And there's some amazing stuff happening in in Indonesia and, and, you know, the greater sort of Asia. But, I mean, we were speaking a little bit before about um, Concept Magazine, which Mm. I still think is one of the best design magazines out there, um, which has just got very in-depth interviews and some amazing kind of profiles. Um, which all comes out of Jakarta as well. A lot of that actually comes from people from South, Southeast Asia who've come to Melbourne and Sydney and studied here about design and brought mm. it back over to Southeast Asia. So it's actually right. already happening, but we should further embrace that. And uh, the concept guys, I think, studied here in Sydney. Uh, mm. There's 
there's many others uh, which are similar studios popping up, uh, lifestyle mags popping up, you yeah. know, which uh, coffee is getting huge in Jakarta. They trained their skills here in Sydney, Melbourne. You know? Right. So it's culture is coming, it's blooming. And I think people, I was just chatting with Wing Lau the other day. He's, he's very much on board this theme too. And I think that I'm excited about it. I think he's excited about it. I know many others are too. Mm. And I just think it's a huge opportunity for us to do so, that. So you've expanded or you're expanding? Are you there now? We're there now. So we have four staff over there mm-hmm. uh, in Jakarta the idea is to reach uh, Singapore Malaysia Indonesia uh, they're probably the three countries we're starting with mm-hmm. um, baby steps are always good but I've got wild plans to go bigger I just was in Shanghai yep. I wow. don't think I think that's a bit of a stretch but I think uh, having regional breadth um, is a platform for I'm passionate about Australian design uh, and I think it's a vehicle to get out there uh, yes the internet's obviously already there but having a presence uh, I think this ties back to the street showing people forcing mm. not forcing people but helping them experience what that is is yeah. part of the thrill of and it bricks and mortar is important as well we've, we've always found from everything from the school, yeah. schools where we've been involved in um, but also even Apple you know there's a reason that Apple invested in bricks and mortar so long ago and has those stores and isn't just a just an online brand that does all these products of course mm. everything they do could be done online there's a reason why they have that yeah interaction with the brand yeah experiencing it especially what you were talking about before just that that you almost want to take people who weren't expecting it and bring them in and show them kind of the magical sort of side of it yeah so what's the response been like it's been great so we had a launch back in october last year Mm -hmm. and 650 people turned up uh of all walks of life um i'd never in my wildest dreams would think that uh, it's a muslim country but you have old older Muslim ladies come in and you're talking to them about a vintage Heidelberg press which was technology invented in the 1450s machine made in the 1930s from Germany brought to Australia by Sydney from a Chinese Australian who's gone to Jakarta it's this really weird really (laughs) weird cultural mix and you just pinch yourself but you you love it because you're doing something that's amazing. There's a journey there. Yeah. 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 So how can I be really geeky for a second? What, what press are you using there, and how did you get it there? Uh, Heidelberg mm-hmm. Platens. So they they kind of like the they're the the Ford Falcon of printing presses. Mm-hmm. Love or, it. Perfect analogy. Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Go on. Go on. But, uh, <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> lots of them were made. I think yeah. 180 thousand plus, and it's actually the single most. Uh, made printing press in the world from I think 1930 to 1985 the same model you can put a part from a 1913 onto a 1985 wow the German German technology no 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 planned obsolescence there exactly right yeah. uh, steel uh, doesn't break you just mm. need oil a uh, bit of electricity to keep the motor going and you're set built to last as you said man mm. Mm. amazing so yeah and so you did you find one over there or did you bring take it uh we brought it from sydney here right so there's a couple over there you've just said sorry yeah (laughs) (laughs) and on a big boat i'm guessing yeah on a you know crate literally yeah and we just chucked a whole bunch of paper we bring in needs to be quite nice paper so we bring that in actually from europe already okay came via australia right there it's uh design there as i said is maybe five or six years behind so is print like Mm -hmm. it's still pumping out quite low quality material there so when you're dealing with tactile products which are quite special there's 
it has to be the right material. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're over there, we always our current um, fun is like faux vintage or faux faux authenticity. I think <laughs> right. what what is actually authentic. I think we know. I mean, you just walk into a bar yeah. if it feels right. It's, it's authentic and I think we value that mm-hmm. in the West absolutely over in the East they know that's important but they don't know how to execute that very well right. so they would just put wallpaper with wood planks on there and a fake tree instead of a real tree mm-hmm. you know, obvious examples like that so mm-hmm. it's frustrating but also an opportunity because I think there are people there who are waking up you know mm-hmm. they're worldly too then they understand mm-hmm. what authenticity is mm-hmm. and good design and culture super exciting for you um and hearing you talk about it you're obviously really passionate about it um so that's a big that's a big ask going to uh, you know another country obviously culturally which we've spoken about but also how did where did this these four staff members come from did you did you spend a lot of time over there training people did you find do you connect with someone local do you have friends where'd that come from yeah it's it's a bit of serendipity so rockstar memoirs i we do a lot of uh publication design in design um as a bit of a side detour i think as designers there's projects need three things or have three things the money the creative enjoyment mm. and i guess the ego slash pride so the work we do at rockstar doing work for schools isn't the, the world's most sexiest work but it's very high on the creative enjoyment if you're into publication design mm, layout mm. and also on the training and also from financially it, it pays the bills so it, it, but it's not very sexy so it's a bit, but, it's, but it's lasting though I mean I think what's really interesting when I found out you guys were doing that I was like oh, that makes so much sense because you know that kind of yearbook that's something that someone will keep forever yes so yeah I think, you know, what you guys do will just make it even more of a sort of artifact. Yeah, we hope so. Um, But to answer your question, Flynn, um, the team in the distillery Jakarta used to... I trained them here in Sydney. Right. They studied at Billy Blue, actually, uh, Mm. graphic design. Mm. They they were Indonesian. They are Indonesian. And then they spent their time in Australia. They've gone back. They've noticed that we've started the distillery here, uh, remained friends over time. Uh, They're small owners minority owners and it's good to go into partnership with others who are as passionate about what you are mm. and you've worked with them before no doubt you guys you know you two have worked together before too and yeah. it's a mix of friends business if you communicate well and if you are passionate about something and you're fair decent people great things happen yeah mm. you're already kind of 90% of the way to, to working with someone on a new project aren't you if you already know and trust them and like them and yes. like working with them and things like that I think like that trust is a really big thing the kind of idea yeah. that you can just yeah you don't have to worry it's one less worry that you have to have yeah if you, if you feel that person's going to do, do it from the right place and I think bringing them in as a part owner that's a really smart idea yeah yeah I think so mm. We'll see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I rewind slightly and just go back to how the distillery started? So, what what was it apart from you know finding a machine and and um, what was it that made you really want to get to that kind of analog kind of? Because I imagine that time, well, I know at that time everything was going more and more digital. Yeah, I think. Um people like to experience things so one of our values at the distillery is to see feel and experience design and digital design is very uh, effective uh, it's very convenient um, however to see and you can see it to feel it to experience it I know there's UX design etc it's, it's it's quite limited in its subset and we come back to 
design being an experience it can be felt and touched obviously print is the starting point of that so i think uh seeing an opportunity knowing that other we're not the first letterpress printers by no no means Mm. and great i'm glad for that because that inspired us to do things um and also we're not the only and hopefully we're not the last we love it when others other new printers start up and Mm. ask for advice where to make their plates and so forth but i guess it's a mixture of uh, entrepreneurialism uh, a mixture of passion, wanting to do it because no one else in Sydney was doing it mm. in that way, bringing it to the street, showing people. Um, and when, you know how you just do things and you have a feeling yes. they're going to work? Yes. So <laughs> when you guys started Design Radio, and probably yeah. an experiment, but you knew pretty quickly that it was going to go well. Yeah. Probably similar to that. Right. I think it's yeah. also the failures we don't really talk about in hindsight. So it's. Um, mm. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we don't publish the terrible episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 400 episodes so far. We've yeah. got we're up to episode 13. <laughs> 13 good ones. Yeah. Well, 12 and a half. We had to decide on this Okay, so then you literally, so you moved into that, but you kept both businesses running. So they were feeding each other a little bit? Or? Yeah. Um, come back to the three things, uh, creative enjoyment, money, uh, ego pride. Mm. Um, I think they've worked very well as complementary businesses in that I think uh, creative people are always looking for something new. So the team from Rockstar, very good at what they do. I was able to help move them over to actually learning to print. So um, at the distillery, it's quite kind of interesting. I, I, you aren't able to just get a graduate letterpress printer from any college or TAFE. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a dead. The, the craft of teaching that was long gone in the early 80s. So had to train them from once I learned how to print it was a matter of me training others to learn how to print so you're staying like one like that whole piano teacher concept just stay one lesson ahead of the kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah as best possible but I'm not the best printmaker there by no means and I was very lucky to have a very strong team at the beginning Mm. um I've listened to other episodes where you know design those running design studios talk about you know a core of people you can trust that you know that are there for the right reasons and I was very very lucky and fortunate to work with a great team of people um, you know a couple of which are still with me now mm. who very passionate one of them a couple of them learned to be much better printmakers than I did and they also were in it for the passion for the right reasons so I've got a bit of a school going on in terms of training new craftspeople mm. how to use a press you know how to cut paper we want to make paper there's so many great tactile design experiences which I think may have been lost or on the verge of being lost which oh yeah you're absolutely right I mean more and more schools um, because the industry is kind of calling out for it are kind of leaving print behind in, in many ways mm. and so it's interesting that but you always see a student and again it's a percentage who who really wants to get back to the kind of how it used to be done and, and really that tactile kind of craft as you said yeah um, so it's great that you've got uh, something running yeah thanks and I think it's more the team that I've been able to find the passion the passion's here in Sydney and Melbourne and the rest of Australia it's just a matter of getting yourself organised to kind of collect it yeah together and and make it work yeah how did did you learn? Uh, a bit of blind luck but lucky I had a friend of a friend who was a printer Mm -hmm. okay by a rock star and you a supplier offset printing supplier who helped train me he knew the head, former head teacher who used to teach letterpress at TAFE in Sydney. Yeah, wow. So there's that whole what you know situation just yeah, coming, yeah, exactly. coming in again. Like that is exactly. a very random, you know, going back serendipity kind of bit of things happening there. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is is and you know that that idea of craft and and you talked about it's like sometimes things are lost and I think I've talked to you before about. I've worked with stonemasons before and we've been talking about a particular thing and they just haven't known how to do that because that that um, ability, that kind of skill has been lost over time. And I was so surprised by that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is there, is there things you've come across where people just don't know how to do anymore? Or? Yeah, uh, lots and lots. Yeah. So, um, uh, for example, uh, bookbinding with an old uh, leather sewing machine using paper. So there might there are still industrial sewing machines out there the, those leather sewing machines they're used to putting through leather obviously mm. but when you're working with paper where do you get the needles from which don't destroy the paper on the way in and out right. edge gilding so on the edge of cards uh, there used to be a big printer here in Sydney who used to specialise in that they went bust in maybe five six years ago and with that went the ability in Sydney to edge guild you mm. can't I'm sure they're out there but you can't commercially find a place to edge guild where Essentially, or we've had to learn that from scratch uh, oh, right. because there's very few people out there. Maybe they're out there, and I just couldn't find them. But it's part of the fun too, though. It's, mm. it's like learning something yourself. Trial and error, you know, mm. often brings the best results. Mm. And you, you were talking kind of to again, just picking up on something you mentioned before. Talking about like amassing this team of people, you know, the people that you trust and everything like that. You've hired. You mentioned before that you have hired over a hundred graphic designers mm. in your time. Yeah. So, what is like? How do you find people to come into your team, and maybe what what's the sort of stuff that you're you're looking for? Uh, I think every studio is different, so I can only speak for what works for me. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think um, uh, grads. Well, we can talk forever for this about this, but I think <laughs> grads are very hungry. Often, some of them um, they're very talented. Many of them. Um, however, you've got to not only talk the talk, you've got to be able to walk the walk, and mm. I think. Um, and and having come from the commercial background, I've seen differences between how the creative industry takes on juniors and how the uh, big four, the accounting, the law industry takes on juniors there too. I think, um, I, I, again, I can't speak for everyone and I go to grad shows, I try to suss out what's going on, but those grads who tend to do quite well are those who not only have promise and talent, but they have proven that they, they understand and they really truly will wade through a bit of groundwork a bit of yeah. not so sexy work yeah. uh, whether it's deep etching whether it's photoshop front ends whether it's layout whether it's photoshop retouching whatever it is and not complain and more importantly realise the value of that mm. I think there's a lot of people out there a lot of graduates who unfortunately still expect to be art directors six months in yeah. or who don't have the patience to see something through I think um I don't want to sound like an old, old. No, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're yeah. not the first person to talk about this either. It's it's an interesting conundrum in the sense that yeah, it, the graduates' expectations are, are often way above what they actually are going to come into. So inevitably, they are very disappointed as soon as they get into the industry. Yeah, I think uh, someone once said it takes three years to get good at something. Mm. Firstly, you're still learning you're learning a, a lot uh, yeah. don't even think about trying to be good because you just need to get up to par mm. year two is par and you maybe you're starting to contribute year three is when you're really contributing and I think maybe because the internet very much we, those grads have grown up with it around them all their life and we're mm. used to expecting we have shorter cycles we're used to expecting things quicker yep. including our career expectations um, 
that being said though i don't want to paint everyone in this box because that often is the right way too like Mm -hmm. uh, come back to design radio who said you can't run a podcast with you know without radio training my mum she's wrong so so who you know so on one hand there's this fit in the regime work hard you'll be rewarded promoted pat your head on the other hand is break down the system go for it be great there's I mean, I can only talk from a studio owner's point of view. Of course, I want mm. people to work in the system. Not every studio does, though. Some studios want those to rise above. I yeah. think, Matt, you were saying you've got experiences, you know. What, uh, mentally Friendly always pops into my mind. You know, two of the worst students, but they have, you know, they just, they got out there and they did it. And it was because no one said they couldn't. Mm. And they, and uh, you know, they got very, very successful. I think lots of people told them that they couldn't. Yeah, really? Yeah, I think a lot of people told them they couldn't and they shouldn't. I and just I think, wanted, I wanted them to get their assignments in. <laughs> I think, I mean, in fact, I'm, I'm certain that many t- people told them that they'd, they'd fail. I think one of the things that I've heard them say before as a fly on the wall was um, that, that um, they were getting along as students, but they would never work together really well. I feel, I feel like even though I didn't know them back then, they probably just were successful just despite everybody that told <laughs> wow. them that they couldn't. Interesting. <laughs> putting words in their mouth, but... Mm. Yeah. But yeah. there's leaders and then there's follow uh, don't want to again box A box B but if you're a leader like those guys are you're going to do it whether or not you join a studio in my opinion so mm. of yeah. course they were going to do it because they did their own thing I, I think they worked somewhere else too but I think if you are a grad and you're looking to join an established well established studio I think you'll maximise your chances by showing you can do the groundwork yep. and you show promise and spark because guess what the person hiring you knows the score they know they will be able to spot your talent but they'll also be able to spot someone who's just talking the talk yeah and yeah. and you also spoke about you know other professions as well where their graduates are not maybe coming out with those expectations of being you know the the chief surgeon you know in the first week or something like that and i think that's a really good analogy as well that kind of idea of that maybe we do we should be setting people up for coming up and doing grunt work a little bit more and, and that is the expectation and that's what to be that's to be enjoyed and mm. I mean you spoke about Stefan Sagmeister with me once something about yeah he, was, he um he, he said at some stage um that I, I don't know if he was saying this should happen or if this would be an interesting experiment but um <clears throat> of spending the four years three years two years of training as treating kind of design as a like a function so um like you would teach a mechanic okay this is how you do photoshop mm. do that this is how you do this function do that with no creativity involved at all to get in the way yes and then you graduate with um, you spend all the time focusing on the manual skills um and the processes involved and then you have plenty you have the rest of your career to be creative yes um you know and but but you you get really really good at kind of doing the the hands-on sort of stuff but it's not sexy and no it's not sexy and, that's, and i guess no. when schools are in competition with each other the sexiest one oh if we is. said hey you're not going to get to work on any posters or anything <laughs> but you're going to deep etch for four years straight we'd yeah it'd be where, pretty hard to attract the students going? i think um even if you were supplying the industry everyone got hired you wouldn't have never had any but it students. is all that other stuff it's like um you know admin software and you know just how how do you build and how do you version control time management yeah communication, presentation, all that stuff that students don't want to know anything about. Which is the stuff that you just want to die from after. What's well, the stuff that most people graduate and, have no, and they're like, oh, what version? Like? Yeah. I think, I look, at, and I think you, you raise a really good point there in the sense of this, that sometimes it does work. And I think we have to be careful as well. It's, 
we don't want everyone to come out expecting to be a creative director, but at the same time, you know, occasionally there will be someone who comes out expecting that and gets it because yeah. they, they, they are. I mean, I think that we're in an industry, and it's quite obvious, there's no absolute rights or wrongs, so yeah, there's no yeah. law to follow. Yeah. Uh, and we need to allow for those openings, but it's got to be a balance with giving guidance too. But I come back to, if you're a grad, uh, if you're a grad accountant, you can't just run your own accounting firm. You can, right. but you're not going to be very successful. Whereas mm. if you're a grad designer, if you kind of knew your stuff and you've got relatively good people skills, you can go freelance. And of course, yeah. many of us do. So I think there is actually a difference between if you want a job in a studio, it's a different type of person who needs different skills to if you kind of knew all along you were just going to freelance and find your own way do your own studio and be yeah. great I think knowing yourself uh, having the guts to back yourself is part of that yeah and it's admirable as well it's an admirable thing to do I've got no idea how anybody could do that I didn't know what the, I didn't know my head from my shoulders when I graduated I didn't have a clue I think it probably took me five years of being an adult before mm. I start everything started to click for me so and I think I always think in those five year cycles and I think back over the, the previous five years and go, oh, I didn't know anything yeah and then the next five years go by and I look back and go oh, I didn't know anything and it's just that kind of yeah like uh, one day maybe wait I'll till you're a, 70 yeah I know <laughs> I didn't know anything at 65 <laughs> yeah exactly hey um I wanted to bring up something completely off topic um you went to TEDx last right week. I did and and I'm asking this because this is a loaded question. It's a loaded question because we've already spoken about this. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm I, I think what we wanted to talk about a little bit was just oversaturation. Yeah, because I, I know I know when you're about to go to, I was really like, oh, you're going, and you know whatever event it was, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, but you were kind of like, oh yeah. And I was kind of like, what's going on? You're not excited? Yeah, so I was as surprised as you were, I think. It's been coming for a while for me, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting quite oversaturated at the moment or maybe overexposed to creativity and everybody else's creativity. And this is somewhat ironic considering my role <laughs> in various things that I do. But And maybe it's because of my role in the various things that I do. But um, this time last year, I went to, we we'll use TEDx as an example, but it's, this is certainly not isolated to TEDx. It's just the most recent thing I went to. Um, I was there at, like, registration opened. I was there. I got my little book and I went through the whole bag. You know, <laughs> I wrote down, I met the people to the left and the right of me. I, I sat there and I wrote down everyone's name, why they were interesting, if I enjoyed the talk, what I got out of it and everything like that. I didn't even open the notebook this time. I turned up at 10. I left at 4. Wow. And I was looking at my watch kind of thing. And that's no reflection of the speakers because they were amazing. And the caliber, I think, as far as I'm aware, was the same. Mm, I heard I had some great re reports. I've, I've met people there and they're just saying, how amazing is this? And I was mm. like, it probably is. Mm. But I, had, I have these goggles on at the moment, maybe hearing aids, where it's just getting filtered out into noise, I think. I don't know why it's happening. But it's interesting because then if you, when you're telling me about an, uh, Creative Mornings that's coming up, you're completely animated super excited, excited about it yeah, yeah. So, and I because I'm a selfish jerk no no not at all because I've been thinking about this a lot because seeing that you weren't excited I was kind of like oh okay and then I'm really excited about it. so I've got Vivid coming out and this is going to be released later obviously yeah so by then the actual Vivid talk will be live yeah thanks for coming everyone yeah woo. <laughs> um, we have sold out which is really good well um, but I'm really excited by that and then I after talking to you I kind of went away and I thought why, why am I so excited and I think because I'm organising it 
yeah. like along with Denise. But I, I've been able to spend some quality one-on-one time with the panelists and the speakers. Yeah. And that's almost where I get a real kick out of, I think, more than maybe being the audience anymore. I yeah. don't know. Is that really conceited? And Yeah, maybe it is. I maybe. don't know. Not I mean, really. Because I remember maybe two, three, four years ago, we were... Com- I think we have to be careful because we were complaining about Oh, there's not enough stuff going yeah, on in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> oh, and so then we go, oh, no, two or three years, oh, there's too much stuff going on. But yeah. I do get what you mean. I think you've gone to, this time. yeah, as you said, Vivid might be finished by the time this airs. Mm. But I think everyone's probably logged on and said, oh, what's on? And there's probably been overwhelmed with yeah. the sheer number of talks. Mm. And I think there's a balance. That and there's some high ca- caliber talks. As yes, well. yes. Some stuff yeah. coming up. Are you going to go into anything? Uh, I'm going to the Remix uh, uh. Festival. It's a two day. Yeah, cool. Two days, though. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe that's good, though, because you can really focus. Yeah, and I I mean, I've been to ideas when that was two days, and Mm. I think, and I actually remember that I think the Harmer Hall doesn't have very good phone reception down there, so the ability to focus, you're forced (laughs) to actually listen to... Yeah, I remember that as well. (laughs) Well, because that's really interesting, just the fact that you, you, yeah, we sort of bring in distractions with us now, Mm. um, as opposed... uh, I guess a while ago, we, we the phones didn't do quite as much as they do now. And Speaking of which, I had also my Apple Watch had arrived the same day oh, as really? Ted. And so I may have also been leaving so I could go back to the studio and pick up, pick up my new toy. You just reminded me of that. So that, that may have played a part. And how's that? Was that a good trade-off? Oh, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it looks really good. I, yeah, I haven't actually seen a watch... Yeah. Apart from inside a store, looks. Uh, um, is that the sports? It is. Yeah. It is. Um, this is going to be tons of fun for everyone at home. Um, it tells the time, which is great. Um, <laughs> tells me to stand up every now and then. No, it does. It, it does. It has really nice notifications. It actually that, does tell you to stand up. Yeah, it tells you you have stand up goals throughout the day. That's so funny because I've watched you and Laurie get up. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah standing up. <laughs> go for a walk. Walk around the studio. I usually get on the skateboard and just skate around, and then I come back and sit down. I've only achieved my goals once, though. But uh, we, we, we do digress. So, Remix. But tell me more about Remix. Like, yeah. why, why are you excited about that? Uh, because I think there's the future is not just your analogue or digital. Mm-hmm. It's continuing to be a mishmash of old and new, yeah. of digital and analogue, of different competing thoughts of not just European Australia, but Indigenous Australia, plus Asia Australia, yeah. plus mm. all these new things. And that's where design and culture will continue to evolve. And that's the exciting part of it too. We, you know, we get blown away by new combinations of different things. And yeah. Remix sounds like it's down that alley. Uh, yeah, it's two days though. So the I think focus is the key. I think uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of you know Seth Godin. He's a marketing yes. guy from the States and I think one of his articles was about focus. You know, we have so much we could be distracted by. Mm. And it's the real currency to be able to... I'm sure there's people who work in studios, but I don't want to get interrupted every five minutes by someone asking me one question every five minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, want, I don't want to just respond to that email because it flashed up and the phone the person who called me that isn't actually more important than whatever i'm working on now yeah. and time management um you know in a studio that's another one of my short-term fasc- well, not short-term but current fascinations i think um there's a lot of software you know that can kind of make things work mm-hmm. actually one which i've realized and i'm a big champion i'm a big champion of two things this year uh, a roomba vacuum cleaner have you seen that on no. channel 74 <laughs> seen the, i've seen the cat i've seen the cat on the roomba yeah yes yeah so that's, so that's the same thing it's great like if you 
once upon a time were probably your bachelors. This so is the robot one, yeah. It's the robot right. one. It's the round one. Yep. Which mm. goes around. It's also on Breaking Bad, you know, where Jesse... Long, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But, um, <laughs> basically, Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will change your life because you can go to work, come back, and your floor is vacuumed. It's not perfect, but it's a big time saver. It's probably as good as I do it. <laughs> yeah. It's better than better. not doing yeah. it, right? Yeah. So I bought about three or four of them, giving them to my mum, giving oh, them to my wow. girlfriend's mum. Um, it's changed my life, the Roomba. And, and I use it at the studio too, because mm-hmm. right. that means I don't have to have a stranger. Does Noftis chase it around? He, Noftis is my dog, yes. Yeah. He's scared of it, actually. So I've got yeah. a 42 kilogram big uh, golden retriever versus uh, like a five kilogram yeah. machine, which wins. <laughs> <laughs> but so, the, that's, so that's one thing. Yeah. What's the second thing? The other thing is an app called Slack. Have you used, have you heard about that? No. Yeah, I'm about to convert every i use Basecamp at the moment for yes. all our internal communications probably oh, a bit okay. dated now but yeah next uh, program we're running i'm going to get everybody and m- myself included onto slack yeah so it's, you're another one hey? i'm probably a uh, month and a half into it so yeah. i tried the atlassian version first yes yeah. i actually went to uni with uh, scott and at uni and i think i wanted to try something local but slack's run out of um San Francisco but I think they get design it comes back to the value of digital design they get Mm. UX yeah similar products but I think they understand that experience especially to the creative people like us I think knowing how useful it is it makes you want to use it it's a great Mm. app for those of you who don't know what it does it's Mm. like internal instant messaging but with hashtag channels as well it's a good filler for you know when you get those emails and you omit I always teach people sandwich it, like have a bit of bread, say, hey, how's it going? How's your weekend? And then the meat is what <laughs> yeah. your actual message is. And then have a good weekend. Now. <laughs> yes. And if you omit the bread, you're yeah. just going, Flynn, I need you to do this now. It it's, doesn't get uh, taken so well. Yeah. But I think yeah. you run those type of messages on Slack. It's a bit more efficient. You don't have to wait for mail mm-hmm. to So you use it for your internal it. team. Yes. Yeah. As well as communicating with Jakarta too. So yeah. I think um, it's... It's fun too. It's uh, uh, distractions linked in with that. You don't want to have. We have an open studio, so and I've walked into several studios around Sydney, and it's quite quiet actually. Mm. So, do we want to communicate and be effective? So, type it sometimes, and obviously go to a meeting room other times. But mm. I think it, it's a good niche filler, and it's free as well for mm. most plans. So there's no reason at the moment why you wouldn't want it. Yeah, it's on my on. list. Yeah, mm. because people like you have said something like that. And they've just moved on to it and really loved it and sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get to that in about three years. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you look back and think, oh, I didn't know anything. Flynn's literally just got, this is maybe a bit embarrassing. He's finally got me onto TweetDeck. It's yes. just revolutionized my... It's been an exciting world. It's been an exciting week, hasn't it? But you <laughs> described me earlier as like, it's like a child learning to ride a bike or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. but then once you start riding, you've got the biggest <laughs> smile on your face. It's true. <laughs> the training wheels are off, Mr. Leach. Yep. That does bring us to the end, I think. Thank um, you so much, Nathan. Yeah, thanks no, for coming fun. on, Nathan. Yeah, it's uh, good to meet you guys. Uh, do the radio it's good good work guys like, round of applause <laughs> thank you thanks man um, so if people want to find you after this or you know where you work and everything got some hashtags or hashtags handles now who needs twitter lessons yeah <laughs> um, your twitter handles and uh, yeah uh, my dog's name is my twitter handle uh, at noftus n-o-f-t-u-s yeah. uh, or just contact the distillery I'll, I'll find the message you'll be there <laughs> alright cool and Matt uh, Leechworth on Twitter and yep. Matt underscore Leech on Instagram. 
Cool. Um, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to Australian Design Radio. You can find me at flintracy.com and on Twitter at flintracy. You can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUSDesignRadio. If you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest or anything like that, um, just get in touch with us. You can email Flynn or Matt at AUSDesignRadio.com. Until then, thanks. Thank you. Bye.